The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. It's got me thinking. I do have to wonder how many times people don't say out loud but think that's not the answer I wanted. It seems to be the characterization of therapy, isn't it? Someone comes to therapy, they're going to hear stuff they don't want to hear. They're going to be asked to change in ways they don't want to change. They're going to be asked to look at life the way they don't want to look at life. And then when you say this, they may be thinking, that's not the answer I want to hear. And I'll bet, I'll just bet, that first of all, the average number of therapy sessions that people go to, they're going to surprise you. Four. That's right. So I'll just bet that may be one of the reasons they don't come back. I don't like what I heard. Well, on this program, you may not like what you hear. It's all right. You're not going to stop me from saying it anyway. Good to have you with me. I am in the studios of The Rock. AM 1260 in Cleveland. My engineer here is Dan. He's over the other side of the desk looking to see if I get any calls from anybody so he can say, well, I thought you were somewhat popular as a host. The number to get onto the program is 877-573-7825. Dan, I got a little bit of a bounce back. You can take care of that for me? I uh, will try. Okay. Well, okay? All right. I'm not going to get my headphones. Right. Let's try this. No, that's right. not good. Let's go with that then. All right. 877-57. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. 877-57-equal is the number. AM 1260, you know, when I was a kid, this was Wixie, W-I-X-Y 1260. Now, I don't want to give away my age, but I listened to the mamas and the papas, the turtles, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Peter, Paul, and Mary, the Beatles, Chicago. Didn't listen to them originally. You know, the thing hit me, though, my mom and dad loved the big band sounds, Glenn Miller, all of them. And I thought, oh, it's just old, old stuff. That, that's classical music. Who would listen to that stuff? Now, that was 20 to 30 years earlier than when I was listening. And I listen now to this music, Mamas and the Pops, still listen to all that. And that's 40 years or more from where my kids are. All right. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get on to the program. 
I still got it. I still got it, Dan. Still, still kind of a very shallowy kind of hearing me twice. So when I say something dumb, I'm going to hear it a second time. Uh, sometimes our air signal bleeds through a little bit, and I can't really get rid of that. If so. it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry about right. that. I, right. I'm not hearing it in my headphones, but I'm deaf in one ear. So. Oh, okay, that explains it. Yeah, there you go. So I want your voice, by the way. I want your <laughs> voice for radio. Okay. I have a question that I ask parents who come into my office relatively regularly. Do you want to be an average parent as it relates to culturally average? Yeah, maybe your kid's not on drugs, doesn't get in trouble at school too much, and uh, yeah, he's certainly not as responsible as you would hope or as respectful as you would hope, but all in all... Kind of a typical American kid. Or do you want a kid that you can say, he's one in a hundred. Seeks God. Cooperative, pleasant, beautiful. Just a, just a nice, nice human being. Now, I have never had a parent say, oh, I'm just, yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy with just, just your basic kid. Not on drugs. I take it out a little bit further. I said, well, what would you like looking back at you at 22? Would you want to be able to say, well, I don't know. We've had our bad times. And given the way kids are turning out nowadays, I'm, I'm counting my blessings. You know, parole officer says one of the nicest kids he has. Judge says one of the most mannerly kids in his courtroom. Or would you want to look at that 22-year-old and say, what a beautiful human being. Now, Pretty much everybody listening, I got to believe, that's still raising kids out there would say, well, I'd, I'd like a one in a hundred. Fair enough. Are you then prepared to be a one in a hundred parent? I'll extrapolate that to grandparents, one in a hundred grandparents. Which means you cannot be culturally normal. You're giving social freedom two, three, four years, five years later than her peer group's getting it. Technological freedom, same thing, three, four, five, six years later than her peer group is getting it. She's not allowed to imbibe the standard cultural sewage that the other kids get. Now, of course, she's going to compare. She's going to look and say, how can all those people be wrong and you be right? And you can just simply say, well, they are and I am. But here is the catch. Do you realize how strong you got to be to do this? Because you will have relatives, you will have friends questioning you. Not just your kids. You can expect your kids to question you. That's not so surprising. But the grown-ups, the ones that you would think would be on your side are not. Your kids are going to resent you. Can't protect them forever. That's a real world out there. They got to experience life. They're going to turn their back on everything you ever taught them. They're going to hate church. They're not going to go. It's going to be all your fault. I was in a meeting once with a counselor type, actually a whole bunch of counselor types. And she said, well, we all know that when parents' standards are too high, the children are going to rebel. Now, I sat and I listened to this, and my thinking was, 
no, we don't all know this. Two, it's an incredibly ugly stereotype that undercuts the resolve of good parents. But I didn't say anything. That was my inner child that wanted to say this, throw a little verbal fit. I just kind of looked at her like, you are just spouting the standard tripe that's out there. If you want to raise a 1 in 100 kid, you're flat out going to be different. You know anything about statistics? You know that the further you get out on the continuum towards the positive side, the less like you other people are going to be. And when somebody is less like you, they question you. They look at you like you can't be right or, or you're not necessarily something to emulate. You're something to, to criticize, to say, well, you're, you're going to all backfire on you. You know that, don't you? Do you realize the strength you got to have? To resist that, to say to yourself, I've got to make these judgments that I think are best. Now, you got to throw a whole lot of love in there. You do, because if you're going to be radically different than the culture, you got to be radically different in love, too. Lots of love, lots of kisses, lots of affection. I'm telling this to you fathers. You better be affectionate, whether you feel like it or whether you don't. But you're going to have to, if you want to raise the odds that you'll have a one in a hundred kid. You're going to have to be countercultural. That's just the way it is now. Religious people who take their faith very seriously are not the norm in this culture. You're not. Recent Gallup poll surveyed, I guess it was church-going people, but it might have been just people who considered themselves religious. I don't know the details. I don't remember anymore. And he found that, for the most part, their morals and their attitudes and their values were the exact same as the non-churchgoers. He said, with the exception of about 10%, he said, he called them living saints. That'd be be his appellation. But 10%, 10%. That's of the churchgoers. So you understand You have to have enough confidence to say, I've got to do what I think is best, and it may not work out. When my kid's 23, they may look at me and say, I absolutely reject what you tried to raise me with. That doesn't mean what you did wasn't good, and it doesn't mean that at some point later in life, they may step back onto the base that you gave them because you gave them that base. They got someplace to step back onto. If you don't give them anything, if you just give them what the cultural base is, then they're just going to step back on the cultural base, and they're walking the cultural base, and it's causing them trouble. So what I'm saying to you, dear people, stand strong. Know that you're going to get resistance from those around you, even the grown-ups around you, even your own parents. Not the same people who raised us, as one comedian said. These are old people now trying to get into heaven. But you want to be able to say at the end, if my child goes astray, it's because they had to go over top of me, not because I stepped aside. 877-573-7825, 877-57-EQUAL. We'll get to you. I'm Dr. Ray from the studios of The Rock. It's got to be one of the best, one of the best station names, The Rock. We like it. Well, all I remember is Rocky Calavito. <laughs> Don't knock The Rock. 
You're in the Wayback Machine. That's the Wayback. Well, my, my great-grandfather told me about it. There you go. This is Dr. Ray. Be right back. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring, author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plan, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Well, good to have you with me, Dr. Ray Garendi, program doctor is in. By the way, we're just starting the push for August 9th and 10th down in Columbus, St. Gabriel Radio Turf, Dominican University. We're going to be taping four episodes of the TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray. I thought that was kind of uppity. I suggested to the folks at EWTN living okay with Dr. Ray, but they just left it the way it was. We're taping them in the evening. I think I don't know the exact times. You can you can check that with the uh, at the St. Gabriel website. It's I think it's five and seven. Those are usually our times or five thirty seven thirty. And the audience makes the show. The audience asks questions. The audience claps when they're supposed to. They don't clap as loud as they should. Sometimes we have to make them redo it because they're just not clapping loud enough. But we'd love to have you in the audience. It's a lot of fun. Um, shows take uh, take about an hour, 15 minutes, hour and a half to go from beginning to end with the different things, different segments. Have a lot of fun with the audience. You can come to one, you can come to two, you can come to three, four, you can bring your kids. Love to have the kids. The youngest kid we've ever had there, I think, was a month. And the oldest person we had was 102. So we got quite a span there. That was Teresa Tamio. She, she showed up on that particular show. So... Go to saintgabrielradio.com, and they got the they got the scrolling through there on what you got to do to sign up. All right, Nick Scott. Now, before I go to Nick, I want to preface this by saying, in most of human history, 
vast majority of human history. And I think it's safe to say even in much of the world now, there really weren't eating problems. You had just a certain limited amount of food. You didn't have the variety that we have in the U.S. or in many Western countries. You just had food to eat to live. That's what it was. And very few children had eating problems. That's, here's the food. Here's the bread. You don't like the bread? It's, made, it's not made out of wheat. It's made out of whatever that other substance is that bread used to be made out of. And uh, that's it. That's what you got. You ate it. Well, now there's a ton of preschoolers that have meal problems, that have eating problems. And my experience has been that part of that is because of the incredible, inconceivable variety of food, of snacks, of appealing to the taste bud types of sensory experiences. And, well, Nick is running into this. Nick. Tell me about that four-year-old and how he eats. Hey, Dr. Ray. Um, I actually probably should have prefaced everything with I have a 55, 50-ish-year-old brother that also has an eating problem. And growing up, only ate peanut butter and crackers, and I think might eat chicken now, but those are the only three things he ate. So I have a consummate fear that my son's going to kind of go down the same path. And what I can do is I can get him to snack. He wants a snack. We catch him breaking into things, stealing snacks. But when it comes to dinner time, we let him pick dinner, and then he doesn't eat it. Or he does eat it, and it takes like an hour and a half for him to eat five chicken nuggets or whatever it is we've made for him that evening. So as a solution, I put a lock on my pantry thinking that if I could stop my kid from snacking, that he would eat his meals. However, uh, fast forward a month. Um, he's still not eating his meals, and I'm beginning to think I just look a little silly putting a lock on the pantry, and I'm just kind of still at square one where I was with my fear that my son's going to go down the same eating path that my brother did. Well, there's your problem, Nick, because you're assuming that there were no other dynamics going on in your brother's eating habits. For example, you said he would only eat, what, uh, snack crackers or something? Is that all he would yep, eat? Yep, saltines and peanut butter. You realize now your parents had to allow that. Uh, yeah, I mean, growing up there were fights about it. Right, uh, they had to allow it. They, they simply said, okay, that's all he'll eat here, that's all we'll give him. So we don't know if that's some kind of innate predisposition on your brother's part or it's a learned constrictive eating pattern. Most of the time it's a learned constrictive eating pattern. Now, I know I'm going to get an email from somebody somewhere that's going to say, Dr. A, children have different taste buds, children have different taste preferences, and you have to understand that we're not all the same. That's true. But there's plenty of variety in what we have that the vast majority of kids who say, I only want this, I won't touch that, have trained their parents, and it sounds like you were trained. Because you, <laughs> you said something very interesting. You said, well, he wouldn't eat this, so we, we gave him this. We let him snack. We let him do this. We let him do that. So why would he want some of these other meals if he can have tastier snacks? And, and I agree, and that's when I put my foot down and um, tried to at least get a normalization going. And like I said, put a lock on the cabinet so he couldn't sneak in. 
I mean, he, he was getting up in the middle of the night going downstairs and opening the pantry and sneaking snacks. Um, so I thought that would help it, but here we are. He's not snacking, and, I mean, the meals are hasn't really changed. I mean, he still eats like half of it, or like I said, it takes Maybe that's all he needs. extremely is, is, long time. Is his weight normal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, we're not the biggest family right. to begin with. I mean, me and my so, wife are both 5'8", like 170. So he's, so he's, like, he's eating. He's just not eating what you think he should eat. Yeah, probably. Probably. So if yeah. your doctor says, "Yeah, he's height and weight, he's fine." Okay. So you're panicking so maybe over. Maybe I'm th- in my own head. Well, you're. What you've done is you've done what many parents do. I had a relative who did this, and I'm scared to death that my kid, who is related to this relative, will have the same eating or the same pathological pattern that this relative did. Do you real? Do you know what a concordance rate is, Nick? I do not. A concordance rate is a measure of the connection between a a relative's particular uh, behavior pattern, pathological pattern, uh, diagnostic pattern, and another relative. Well, the concordance rates between an uncle and a nephew is 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 single digits. So the fact that you, your little guy is going to resemble his uncle because of some kind of genetic wiring, first of all, is low. Mm-hmm. But let's say that, that even it is, let's say he's got that predisposition that he just wants certain types of taste experiences, and if, if they don't match what he wants, he's going to resist them. Okay, there's kids like this. If in fa- First of all, if if he's getting up at night and sneaking into the pantry, he'd be in trouble. If he were in my house, he'd be in trouble. Okay. Uh, th- there would be loss of privileges the next morning. He would stand in the corner. Things would happen. You you cannot just simply get up in the middle of the night and go sneak stuff. Oh, we, we have timeout. And, I mean, he, he goes into timeout. But it's kind of like confession where you go in there and you explain your sin and hope not to do it again. And then a month later, you do it again. Well, if he's doing it a month later, that's not bad. But still, even at that, even at that. Now, some people would say, Dr. Ray, come on. You don't deny a kid food. Yeah, you do when he's four years old and his eating patterns are bad. You do. You're the grown-up. You don't let a four-year-old say, okay, this is exactly what I prefer to eat. I prefer to eat Twinkies, Pop-Tarts, and macaroni and cheese. And that's it. The parent says, no, that's... that's where the lock. Well, that's it. Lock. Okay, so lock it. You're not being evil by locking it. But what I would also that, that do... That be my question. No. Why would you think that? I don't know. I mean, I've never... I, I haven't seen anyone else put a lock on their pantry. I did. We, we had, <laughs> when we adopted our two-year-old daughter, she had brain damage. And her satiety mechanism was shut off on her brain. So she would eat... If, she, if we let her, she would eat till she got sick. And then... When we would ask the other kids, does anybody want any more? As she was grabbing her stomach, bending over the kitchen table, she'd raise her hand to want more. Now, when she left our house, she went out on her own. She, has, she had serious problems with mental disorders. She gained 200 pounds because she just simply ate without any kind of stoppage whatsoever. Well, fortunately, now she's lost 180 pounds. Right? She's been forced to. She's in a structured setting. But your son sounds like 
if he can't snack, you got biology on your side, he he will eat. Um, and he he will maybe not eat everything on his plate because he has preferences, but you can put stuff on there like applesauce or toast or or things that don't become a short order cook. That's that's a bad habit you get into. Oh, will you eat this? Well, maybe try a little bit of this. Okay, well, we'll cook this. Well, maybe you can get this. What you'll do is you'll just constrict him. You say that these are the things that you have to try. You have to try maybe one bite, and then we're, we're going to give you 15 minutes to eat, and then we're going to assume you're done. We're not going to make a project out of this. I have a book called Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime, and in it is a chapter called Meal Ordeals. You might want to look into that. It's on my website. This is Dr. Rick. with Teresa Tomio. On this show and on this network and uh, in many of our other outlets that we have through Ave Maria Radio and EWTM, we're always going to keep you up to date on what's happening in terms of the culture and how toxic the culture is. Certainly, we talk about that uh, every week. So you can navigate the media landscape, so you can learn about the challenges and be well aware of them. That's one thing. We talk about religious liberty issues. We talk about the attacks, of course, on on the pro-life causes. We need to be aware of all that, which is why we talk about it. So we give you the tools, we give you the information, the research that we come up with as writers, as producers, as presenters, as talk show hosts, on and on and on. But at the end of the day, what do we need to do when we know this? We should be speaking out even more loudly and on a regular basis. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. He always starts with the good things. You know, the seven letters to the churches and the book of Revelation is a great way to write letters to other people, by the way, or to have conversations with other people. You start with what's going well. You do this, this, and this really well. I love it. Thank you. Here's what you're lacking. And I think for many of us as men, what the Lord's communicating at that second part of the letter or the second part of the conversation is here's what we're lacking. You don't ever spend enough time with me. You have no idea what I'm trying to offer you in the gift of my friendship. Or if you do, you don't make time for it. And if you would but come to me, I would change your life like that. But you don't come. Not with the regularity that I want you to come. Not with the ardor and the fervor and the passion that I want you to come. I have a hunch, I have more than a hunch, that's what he says to me. And I got a hunch that's what he would say to many of us. already on the program 877 57 equal this is usually when we get more calls because people think okay well i don't have to wait in line too long if he doesn't get to me i've only wasted a half an hour of my day listening to him 77 57 equal question about something in your life or a helpful suggestion for somebody else or a generic question. I love generic questions. I had one the other day that was 
if St. Joan of Arc heard voices, what does the Catholic Church say about that? That's a generic question. I don't know if she did hear voices. Kevin from Dollars Taxes. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing, Dr. Ray? Okay, sir. This reunification therapy, that must directly affect you. Yes. Uh, so I'm dealing with the situation with the family courts, and um, my chi- my children have been separated from me. We, are, we have gone through individual counseling, and we are now at the point where there is a reunification counselor being introduced into the situation to finally reunite us in person so that we can develop a path forward. So we are scheduled for four sessions with this uh, with this therapist, and she is to determine whether or not this will, quote-unquote, work. And my question to you is, have you seen situations in the past where reunification has failed, uh, and if so, what is the likelihood of me uh, not having a relationship with my children uh, after this is over? Reunification fails a lot, but that's because there are people involved, and people all have their own self-interest, they all have their own directions, they have all their own desires. How long have you not been able to see your kids? Um, since December of last year. Was there, would it be embarrassing for you to say why? Um, I, I exposed some things about their mother's family that they were not supposed to know. And maybe they would have been told when they were older, but they were not supposed to know some of the things that I divulged to them based upon a private conversation about family history and medical stuff. And you lost custody? I did. How old were the kids? Uh, my eldest is 17. I have a 15-year-old and a, an 11-year-old. Did none of the three want to see you? That's not what I'm being told. They want to be with me. They just don't want to do this stuff. They don't want to do this legal stuff. Yes, they do want a relationship with me eventually, but um, you also have to factor in the the repercussions that uh, their mother is trying to impose upon me. So you had a bad marriage, uh, ultimately broke, and their mother is using the children as weapons. That's what it seems to be. Um, my eldest is, was actually freed from all of this so she could have a relationship with me as she f- chooses to and sees fit. Um, but she has been restricted. I've not, I've only seen her briefly since December. Because mother um, says no. Right. So even though even though she's been released from all of this and she's out from under the divorce decree and any restrictions or any time restraints on how she interacts with me, it's been non-existent. So mm. in all likelihood, how do I deal with knowing that I probably won't have a relationship with them? That's not true. I can give you some hope. 
I've seen situations like this a lot. And what sometimes happens with with maybe not all three of the kids, but one or two of them, is as they get older, they start to see the more complete picture. And if, in fact, the bad guy parent, as he or she has been portrayed in the ex-spouse's eyes, uh, the kids find out is, is not the bad, not so much the bad guy as they've been led to believe. They see the bigger picture. And they realize, okay, my my dad or my mom is not the evil person that I've been told. So that does happen a lot, especially as they get older. Okay, I don't know if all three of them will do that with you, but that does happen. The more immediate thing for you is the therapy. Um, it's sad because we therapists are terrible at predicting how a scenario is going to turn out. For example, is that because you're is that because you're trying to err on the side of caution? Or no, are you just... because it's hard to predict humans. Do you know okay. what the expert prediction is when they're asked in court? Is this person likely to be violent again or not? Do you know what their accuracy level is if you look at the whole range of studies? There's actually a study on this. Oh, there's a bunch of them. Follow-ups, yeah. No, I do not. It's flipping a coin. It's 50%. So the first thing is, and again, uh, this is in general. I'm not going to say anything about this therapist. I have no idea. But in general, I have a healthy respect for my inability to predict how something's going to turn out. So that's the first thing. So don't lose hope if, in fact, the therapist says, well, right now I don't think the kids are ready. Don't lose hope. Doesn't mean it's going to stay this way. Be very cooperative in therapy. Do not be defensive. Do not argue. Do not put down your, your children's mother. Just simply say, I'd like to have a relationship with them. Um, and uh, hopefully the therapist will explore what they've been told. I would. I say, what have you heard about your father? How do you know that's the way it is? No, that's that's what I would hope. And um, and who and this is this is the conundrum. It's like who wouldn't want to try to defend yourself in this type of a situation? My my gut instinct would not be to sit back and just um Ask questions instead. Ask questions instead. What have you been told about me? How do you know that's true? Um, How how can I alter that? In other words, you're you're asking the kids, what can I do as your father to correct this? Rather than I didn't say that. I never said that because the counselors used to hear and he said she said and, and and good counselors know you can't separate it out. So instead, explore your kids' perceptions of you and how they've come to those conclusions. 877-573-7825 is Dr. Ray.
EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN Family Prayer. Today we pray for those who have diabetes. Almighty God, we worship you, our Father. And we pray this day for those who suffer with diabetes. Look upon your children with this illness and grant them relief. Give them patience and the grace of perseverance in taking care of their health. Show them the way to physical and spiritual well-being. Let their cry come to your ears and bring them healing in mind and body and soul. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowledge by acquaintance is what St. Paul's talking here. We need to increase our acquaintance of God. What can we do to increase our knowledge of God? Well, study scripture, pray fast. But here's the obvious question. Are you increasing in the knowledge of God? Or are you simply kind of staying stable? You're living off past encounters. When we speak of increasing our knowledge of God, as I said, you can read all the books you want about God and you'll have lots of information, but it doesn't mean that you'll necessarily become acquainted with him. We need to know God by acquaintance. And that's what lies at the heart of all true religion. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Dr. Ray Garendi, the only host in all of Catholic media who can take days off your purgatory because I can be so irritating to listen to. But if you insist on listening, you at least get rewarded, I think. Brian, Canada, emailed me the other day. I probably said, Brian, call me. I talk a lot faster than I type, and I can ask a whole bunch of questions when I can't answer via email. Hi, Brian. Hi, Dr. E. How are you? Good, sir. Good. Yeah, sorry, you're the one that I, you received my email with a bunch of questions the other day. Yeah, you had, uh, a, you had a load. You had a load of them. Sorry. So I just wanted to ask you a question. With um, At what age would you recommend um, a psych evaluation for a child with ADHD? We have a our uh, our middle boy. So we have four children, and um, well, you don't have a middle boy then. You got an upper middle and a lower middle. Upper middle. Sorry. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, he's always displayed some uh, tendencies of of uh, uh, OCD. Like at night, he's got to ask certain questions with uh, uh, my wife to for reassurance. And um, our pediatrician did some does, testing. Does she with keep him Does and, she keep um, reassuring him? Yeah, so we, we try to get it down. That alive. To, yeah, that keeps that alive. One one time, well, like we try to get down just one question, and um, the uh, he he was assessed by a pediatrician with uh, high anxiety, and he's not sure if 
that is attributing to ADHD, OCD type symptoms, or how long did your pediatrician talk to you, Brian, to get that assessment? Pardon me. How long did your pediatrician talk to you to get that assessment? Sorry. How long did your pediatrician talk to you to come to that conclusion? He's visited him. uh, We've been seeing for him on on a, a monthly basis. And uh, he's, he's been giving some tests, and just based on our feedback of uh, what's been happening. We also put them in, uh, uh, our kids in a, a new private Catholic school, but it was grades one to eight so, and one room, so it was a little um, chaotic there. And uh, there was a little bit of lack of consistency, discipline, and I think that may have ramped up his uh, behavior as well. How old is your son? Uh, he's uh, eight years old. Eight years old. Did you see some of these ADHD symptoms when he was four? Uh, no, we were more in, we were wondering if he was a little more on the OCD side. Okay, so you are now questioning an ADHD diagnosis? We're just not sure if we should go ahead with the psych evaluation at this age or not. Well, you can. Uh, I'm going to give you some generics. Uh, First of all, there's more and more research coming out that ADHD is becoming very heavily overdiagnosed. I saw one survey that said as many as 30% of boys in certain southern areas have been diagnosed with ADHD. That's absurd. It's ridiculous. All right? Okay. The standard numbers now are falling between 10 and 15%. And really, if you want to look at it closely, it should be between 2 and 5%. And that's because it's the tail end of the temperamental continuum. But given all that, uh, it sounds like of your four children, this is the one who gives you the most puzzlement. You don't really wonder what's going on with him half the time and why he behaves the way he does. And he's more more prone to to be shook up or to be a little ill at ease. Yeah, so that's who he is. That's That's his nature. It's his temperament. Yeah, yeah. He, he also he, exhibited a little bit more this year with uh, at the school, but I think it was more reactive than initiate. Uh, like, a, well, did he get in trouble at school? When he was at the um, public Catholic school, uh, teacher said he, he he was great with the other kids. Uh, when, when he's out playing sports, he's great with the other kids. But when we were at this school, I mean, there was a little bit of a lack of discipline and. Um, I think he was getting maybe a little labeled for, okay, well, you're getting in trouble. And a couple of kids were picking on him throughout the year. and that didn't. So really he did have some either. discipline problems at school, no matter what the reasons you did. Pardon? You did have some discipline problems at school, for whatever the reason you did. Yes, this year, yeah. Okay. So that, to me, is a bigger concern. Um, because if, in fact, a lot of his nature is a little quirky, now he's starting to act up. Yes. And so that's where I think it's not, you didn't say this. I'm just going to speculate. You can tell me I'm way off. I don't think you will. But because your son has presented you with a lot of puzzlement, you're a little unsure of yourself on how to deal with him discipline-wise. At times. Okay. So given that, um, I can't answer your question on the psych eval for the ADHD. Uh, although, given that ADHD is primarily a developmental disorder, it would have been more likely you would have seen it earlier. 
not generally okay. something that pops up when a kid's 8, 10, 12. I've even seen some people say 15. They just say, well, it just went undiagnosed. Okay. So given that, uh, I think you might want to deal with what he's doing. For example, when he's, when he's seeking this relentless confirmation on these questions, you say, nope, that's it, one. So that he has to face the anxiety of not getting two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten answers so that hopefully he'll see that there's nothing to be fearful of if he doesn't get an answer. That's the first thing. Okay. And then when he starts, like, crazy meltdown? Well, now that's a fit. That's a temper fit. Right. Okay. That's that's not a that's not a I'm going to go sit in a chair and cry because I'm nervous. I'm going to throw a temper tantrum until you answer me. That's very different. Okay. So and and if the if the evaluation did come back, would they, um, the pediatrician was recommending trying one week of of uh, medication? But I don't want to go down that road right well, now. Well, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people come in my office. Kids have been diagnosed ADHD, and I say, okay, I can't make that diagnosis here. Unless I saw you for many, many visits and I saw your kid for many, many visits, I'm not going to give him a little form to fill out and say, oh, yeah, he's ADHD. There you go, because there's all kinds of problems doing something like that. But I would say this. When I work with these parents and I get them under better control of what the child is doing, um, many of them will say, yeah, it doesn't seem so much like he is anymore. So what they label ADHD is oftentimes social problems, anxiety problems, defiance problems, those kinds of things. Uh, but ADHD is a is becoming a very turn to diagnosis in our culture. So right. those okay. are just those are just some generic answers I got to give you there, Brian. Oh no, for sure. And and do you think maybe the uh, the environment could have. Uh... Ramped up well, well sure, it sure, it sure could have, but here's the problem. If that environment that you're sending him to is the one you think is best, and, and it just so happens that the teacher is not a very good disciplinarian, then you got to handle it. You got to right. say, all right, if we hear this from your teacher, here's what we're going to do. And then that's what I did, yep. Yep, I think that's, that's a good thing. Thank you, Brian, for the call. This is Dr. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or of an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. Have you ever wondered why your hair turns gray? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Proverbs 16 teaches us that gray hair is a crown of glory. According to NYU, we get gray hairs because some of our stem cells near the hair follicles get stuck as we age, so they lose their ability to mature and keep their color. Someday, researchers may be able to find a way to reverse these stuck stem cells and turn the hair color switch back on. For now, the upside to having some gray, well, it can make us look wise. I'm not sure that works in my case. Just ask my wife. Another upside, too, the average cost of hair coloring at a salon is $75 to $200 plus each time. Think of the savings over time. Yes, it's good to have gray or white hair. Just ask anyone who's bald.
Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on gray hair and this study at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Last segment here on The Doctor is in a co-production EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and Ave Maria Radio Communications. Dan, the engineer here at The Rock AM 1260, my very, very favorite station when I was in high school and college, and now it has become even more favorite. Wonderful, wonderful station here in Cleveland, Ohio. And I got to compliment them because there was a failed effort for Catholic media in Cleveland, Ohio, and when you have that, a lot of times the people who support you say, okay, tried once, didn't work, not going to do it again, but they made it happen, and Cleveland's a great market, heavily heavily Catholic. Teresa from New York had an experience which is controversial, but I want to hear what Teresa has to say. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Dr. Ray. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So I was just listening to the man talk about his son, and I believe his son was around the age of eight, and and behavior started around the age of four. No, but I asked me, him. No, I asked him if it did, oh. and he said no. Okay, but well, let's let's say that it did. Okay, Go ahead. so, I'll, so for the way he was sake. describing the way he was describing his son, it immediately made me think of what happened to my grandson Anthony right after he had the chickenpox vaccine. It was within 72 hours. He started like, the first thing was constantly, constantly having to pee. And then he started this almost psychotic type behavior where he was afraid to eat anything because he thought it was gonna kill him. He was afraid to touch anything. He thought it was gonna kill him. He cried and cried and cried and cried. And then he hated the feeling of moisture in his mouth. So he kept wiping his face. And it was a couple days later. Sounds like he had a bad my, reaction was, to something. He, and we, we, we pin it to the chickenpox vaccine because looking back, it seemed as though something similar but much less happened to my son, who's now 17. So my daughter took him to the local doctor. They told him, they told her he needed a psychiatrist. Um, we didn't believe it. My husband knew some psychiatrists, and they said there's no way a child of four needs a psychiatrist. Something's physically wrong. That's what no I would have said. In New York State, doctors in New York State will not look at vaccine injuries. It's almost impossible. So my daughter had to go to Connecticut. Once my grandson started Zithromax, everything stopped. All of the behavior stopped. He went back to normal. When you have so now, that kind of qualitatively yeah, uh, almost crazy-looking, abrupt shift in behavior we're not talking i'm getting a little more agitated i'm getting a little more defiant i'm getting a little more fearful no you your your grandson had a panoply of a whole bunch of stuff and and for a little kid to act semi-psychotic 
regarding yep. conduct, the first thing you do is you look for some kind of physiological effect. Something happened here. Okay. Now, again, yep. I'm, I'm not going to sit and, and argue about the vaccine controversy, but I'm going to say in your grandson's case, um, that's where you, that's the first place you start looking. Yep. I had a lady but come into my office. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, my GPS is talking to me. Unfortunately, doctors in New York State will not look at vaccine injuries. And it's so bad that my daughter can't ever send him to school because he didn't almost die. So they will not give her a medical exemption from other vaccines. Well, because he reacted awful. to that one doesn't mean he's going to react the same to the others. That's the first thing. Yeah, but they all have aluminum in them, and it could possibly be that. Because that causes that causes brain inflammation in some people. So is your daughter homeschooling? She is, yes. Well, she homeschools him and, that's good and the older brother. I mean, yeah, I mean, she is. Maybe a blessing in disguise. Because, but yeah, again, I, I mean, think I think you got to raise the question what vaccines is she avoiding? I mean, there are some that 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 the the risk profile is low enough and the benefit profile is high enough that you got to say, okay, we won't give them six at a time, but can I have this vaccine? You know, you to get a uh, pediatrician that is a little more sympathetic about these concerns. And that's what we can't find because mm. New York State took away parents' rights to make these choices. And the doctors are scared to death to issue a medical exemption unless the child almost dies. So he would be banned. They'd both be banned from school if they didn't have all of the vaccines on the New York State schedule. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying to send him to school. I'm saying she might look at the vaccine schedule and say this one's pretty important to get. So can Mm -hmm. I get this one? And the doctor would. Right, now I see what you're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. she doesn't have to, have to go get all six to see so I can go back to school. But she can say, no, yeah, there's, there's a couple yeah. here that I think I would want him to have. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying with that. That's kind of the way that I looked at things when my girls were little. I mean, they're now 35, 32, and my son's 17. But um, my 17-year-old had a very similar but much less, much less reaction after the chickenpox vaccine. And chickenpox isn't a deadly disease, and it doesn't. It's inconvenient for the working mothers, but it's just, um, I just, I just wish that, I just wish that people had a right to decide what they wanted to do with their kids, especially in my state, you know? Well, you're dealing with a cultural legal problem. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I think there's been a, a, a very slow erosion of parental rights and it's gaining momentum. Yeah. Oh, thank, well, thank you, though, but I, welcome, I thought Teresa. maybe it's a reaction to a vaccine and Zithromax would you help know. him, too. I don't know. It helped my grandson. Yeah, it doesn't sound he like from what, from what Dad was describing, it wasn't an abrupt kind of thing. Okay. All right. Thanks, Teresa. I appreciate it. Well, I got to go. Appreciate it so very much. Tomorrow is Look Back Friday. Thanks to all the folks who helped me today. The Rock, I got Dan, and then I got Andrew over that Ann Arbor and Eric Dumont, my call screamer there at Ave Maria. This is Dr. A. Keep walking with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.